Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Yuki Noguchi just needs this last perfect putt, and she wins not only the prestigious Lake Chabonagungamog Mini Golf Open, but also a free game. Here she goes. We've got a new champion, and she's being mobbed on the course. But first, I'm over here with Bubba Wolf, who came up a little short. Bubba, you were in the driver's seat coming off the front nine. What happened on the windmill? Greg, I felt good. The gorilla's legs and the pirate's cover have given me trouble in the past, but I got through those, and then came the windmill, which I see as a birdie opportunity on most days. And instead, it took you 16 strokes. It's so hard to come back from that, Greg, and unlike Yuki, I don't take a lot of Adderall, so... Now, wait a second. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. She's a great competitor. I'm happy for her. Um, You know, I don't care how many banned substances she takes. On the Alice in Wonderland hole... Were you cognizant of Noguchi putting on a charge behind you? I don't know what cognizant means, Greg. <laughs> uh, it means... Greg, I don't live in the past. You know, I'm focused on the next tournament, which is Abu Dhabi in two weeks. That's a Star Wars course. Wookiees, robots, Jawas, sand people. Oh, that's racist. They're called Tuscan Raiders. Whatever, Greg. I love the course. I love mini golf. I'm going to love the show about competitive mini golf. And now he's afraid to hit the ball into the mouth of the scary clown, Colin McEnroe. We do have a problem with scary clowns. However, that's sort of anyway, the the idea of the scary clown, that's a mini-golf stereotype. And it's not an unfair mini-golf mini stereotype, but it really only tells one half of the story of mini-golf, if that. Because, in fact, one of the things we're going to explore today is this interesting dichotomy within the world of mini-golf. You may have seen on August 14th on page one of the New York Times the story of the big star of mini-golf right now. And when I, when I say star, there's a competitive tour. People play on courses all around the country. Some people are really, really good at mini-golf. And I'm, I hope I'm saying her name right, Olivia Prokopova, uh, who is a uh, uh, one of the reigning stars of mini golf here in the United States, despite the fact that she doesn't speak very much English. English. She's from, I think, the Czech Republic. Uh, but uh, there are other big stars too. Well, you'll be hearing about that as we go along today. But they focus more on a type of mini golf that's all about the actual physical challenges, the terrain-based challenges built into any course. Um, the rest of us, of course, are still locked into an idea of mini golf that does involve hitting the ball between the gorilla's legs or through the doors of a little church that open mechanically and close mechanically and things like that. And it's difficult to reconcile, I think, those two realities, although they must somehow be reconciled. And we have the people here who can do that. Uh, in the studio with me is Pat Sheridan. He's an accountant and auditor by day, but uh, his uh, secret identity is as a competitive mini golfer and co-founder with Mandy Ran- Ranslow of the Putting Penguin, a web-based source for reviewing mini-golf courses and uh, developers. Also with me in studio is Steve LaMesa. He is the president of MGC Developers in East Hartford. Uh, On the phone, uh, you'll meet them in a little while, Bob Detweiler, the president of the United States Pro Mini-Golf Association, uh, and uh, his son, Ted, who's working on a documentary on competitive mini-golf and is his father's assistant at the U.S. Pro Mini-Golf Association. So much, so much to cover. We have one more guest who will be joining us a little while later. There's no point in trying to 
introduce that person. Uh, we have enough to cover right now. So um, I'm going to begin with the, the people here in the studio. Um, and so I, I'm going to start with you, Steve, and just sort of talk a little bit about the health of the game itself. Let's forget for a second Pat and, and the, the people on the Pro Tour. Um, has many, in, a, in a world when, where Nintendo Wii offers a mini golf which seems insane to me, by the way, that you would play mini golf in your living room. I mean, going to the mini golf course is fun. Uh, how, how's the health of the mini golf game itself? Uh, mini golf has been around for a long time, and I've been building mini golfs for a long time. So the health seems to be uh, quite good. It better be healthy, right? Yes. yes. And, and so you're doing one. Do I have this correct? That you're doing one, working on one that will be an Avon that has kind of a Matterhorn. Uh, thing to it. Tell, tell us about what you're working on right now. Uh, well, the owner had put together the design of, and the concept for the course, and uh, she approached me to do the actual construction. So it's going to be interesting. She's incorporating all the uh, things you would see in uh, Switzerland. You know, the Swiss cheese hole. The you know, I don't want to give it all away for yeah. her, but uh, you know, different things that you would you would see. So it's, it's, it'll be a Swiss-themed golf course. Correct. And, and I get the feeling, um, and we'll be talking more about this today, you say the kinds of things you would see in Switzerland. I don't know if you meant that literally or not, but one thing that was clear to me in my reading today is mini-golf is taken more seriously in other places uh, you know, besides the United States. I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of our other guests will be speaking more specifically to that. So, um, Pat Sheridan, uh, one of the things that this new Swiss-themed uh, mini-golf course will at some point have to face is the withering eye of the putting penguin. So, setting aside for a moment your uh, own uh, competitive uh, mini-golf instincts, when you go to a, a new golf course, a new golf course that might have been designed and built by Steve LaMesa, what kinds of things are you looking for? What makes it a good or bad mini-golf course? Uh, so we look for a few different things. We look basically for is it overall fun to play? Do, do, do families and folks that come there and spend their hard-earned money walk away going, I really enjoyed my time here. So is it clean? Is the landscaping set off? You know, you don't have bushes that are all over your course and kind of creeping up on you when you're trying to putt. Is there a good theme? So something like the Swiss theme that's really all-encompassing we love to see. Uh, do they use different obstacles and water, and do they have very creative design to their courses? And then, you know, overall, you know, once somebody like Steve builds the courses, do the owners take the time to make sure that they stay maintained, especially in an area like New England with our harsh winters and everything it, and the amount of foot traffic you get? It, these courses can get up, beat up very quickly, and there's nothing that's less fun to play than a beat-up miniature golf course. I've actually read some of the uh, Putting Penguin's reviews when he's unhappy about that, and the Putting Penguin can be very unhappy <laughs> with a course that has not been properly maintained. So, um, And so, Steve, you just did one uh, in Old Saybrook, correct? Yes. Tell us about that one. Oh, that was a fantastic course. We, the um, <clears throat> city decided they wanted to do a theme based on uh, their public service. So we have a hole that incorporates the fire department, and they have their boat with water squirting out of it inside the pond. And, of course, we got to have the local uh, lighthouse that uh, Old Saybrook is famous for. Uh, police services uh, hold, a town hall, schoolhouse, and actually the hole which incorporated the old uh, Fort Saybrook. So it tells the story of the town. Yes, correct. Yeah. And and was this a brand new golf course, or were you refurbishing uh, an old golf course? Well, unfortunately, their old golf course got uh, hit by Storm Sandy, 
a couple years ago, so they decided to uh, build new. All right. So, um, and, and so you've, the Penguin has reviewed that course, right? We actually reviewed the old course, and we just on Sunday played the, the new course that's down there. Oh, so it really Steve is effectively sitting in Sardis wondering when the review is going to come out, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I told him after Labor Day he's going to see his critique. All right. So, um, so Pat, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, the, the pro tour itself um, or the competitive tour itself. You, you play on that tour, I take it? I do try to play a couple tournaments every year and been doing so for about the past 10 years. Um, and, and I think, you know, if people didn't read the New York Times article recently or just haven't sort of kept up with this kind of thing, people may be trying to wrap their minds around this a little bit. So because I think they think of it as uh, something that you take kids to on their birthday party. The idea that anybody would be playing it professionally for a purse uh, is uh, probably a little surprising. So um, how, first of all, tell us, how, how did you come to be doing such a thing? So I actually came to be doing um, tournaments because we started our uh, review website in 2001, and we actually played our first tournaments right here in Connecticut over in Simsbury. We played the miniature Greater Hartford Open. So while we were researching courses to go play for our website, we stumbled across some advertising for uh, one of the local tournaments, and it was there actually the first time I got beat by Olivia when she was about nine years old <laughs> uh, was at that tournament. And so from there, we we, we Got involved with the U.S. PMGA, and uh, from there, uh, we've just been playing a couple tournaments uh, every year where we can. All right. We're go- I'm going to add Bob Detweiler to this conversation in just a second. I do want to say a couple of things. First of all, if you want to call us, if you have questions about the competitive tour, the pro tour, uh, give us a call, 860-275-7266. Or if perhaps you want to uh, share uh, with Steve LaMesa and the rest of us uh, some of your uh, most cherished mini golf memories or your favorite courses. Uh, it's the same number, 860-275-7266. If that doesn't please you, you may tweet us. You may tweet us at WNPR Colin. Our tweet master, Greg Hill, is there and ready to tweet back at you. So WNPR Colin, that's the Twitter handle. So um, before I go to add Bob, uh, Bob Detweiler to this conversation, while we're still a little bit kind of focused on the courses themselves, um, uh, Pat Sheridan, you've reviewed them all over the country. The Petting Penguin has been to more than 100 uh, golf courses all over the country. If I could fly you anywhere today uh, and you could uh, enjoy a comfortable flight there and play on any course anywhere, uh, what course would you want to go to? Ooh, let's see. Anywhere. I'd want to go out to uh, parking, and I believe it's in Illinois. It's one that we've seen come up on almost everybody's top 10 list, and it's one of the few that we have not gotten a chance to play yet. Um, so that that's probably number one on our list to to get our couple rounds in on. What, no, what do we know about it? Why why is it supposedly so incredibly awesome? From whatever I've from everything I've seen, they have some of the most amazing obstacles um, in terms of roller coasters and just things that you know the competitive side probably wouldn't be too happy with. But you're going to have more fun on that course than probably anywhere <laughs> else. Um, I think if you think to some of the courses you've seen in like uh, Simpsons episodes or Happy Gilmore. I mean, it's that type of style, of course, that just looks so fun to play. Um, When you say roller coasters, are those like the humpy things where you've got to sort of make it sort of finish in the appropriate valley between the humps? No, this is like a a, a legit roller coaster. You put your ball and it goes up in like uh, Uh a lake compound style wooden (laughs) roller coaster. (laughs) I was thinking in such a pedestrian (laughs) way. Um, We should come back to those humpy things because they're like my least favorite thing (laughs) on a miniature golf course, the most frustrating thing. Steve LaMesa, I don't know how much time you spend playing anybody else's courses, but is there a course somewhere that you really love that you'd go to if I – if I had the uh, WNPR corporate jet fueled and ready to take you there? 
Oh, there's so many places. Uh, I would say where I haven't really been is um, uh, <clears throat> out in, um, oh, let's let's say Orlando. Yeah. Orlando's got a lot of good courses down there. Yeah. But is there a particular course or, or a thing that's happening on courses? Like I had no idea that there were actual roller coasters on, on courses, that your ball goes into a roller coaster. Is there something in particular that, you know, fascinates you that people are trying right now? Yes, we're trying to to make uh, mini golf more interactive with with the customers, and I think that goes to what Pat's saying about just being able to uh, you know work the hole, work it with a with a swing and pendulum, or you know not with that old style, but incorporate the old style with the new style. Yeah, I I I don't think I knew the term the swing and what pendulum. A swing and pendulum. So in other words, instead of just a basic tame putting style, something you can do. A little bit more aggressively, maybe, or uh, just more interactive. More interactive. More interactive. All right, we'll come back to that. Uh, Bob Detweiler is going to join us now. Uh, now we're going to talk uh, very specifically about that pro tour. Bob Detweiler, as I said, the president of the United States Pro Mini Golf Association. Welcome to the conversation. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. So, give us a sense of the the size of this. I mean, how many tournaments a year? Uh, how many people play on the tour? Well, it's. Uh... It's growing every year. It's getting bigger all the time. We started in 1997, and today we have around 25 tournaments uh, worldwide. We have tournaments in China, um, Czech Republic, Sweden, Canada, um, and it's growing all the time. Um, thanks to people like you, you know, the, you're getting the word out that New York Times will hit the front page of the New York Times. How good can that get? I mean, people are calling me from all over the country asking about the tour. But, you know, I mean, one of the things that this struggles with is kind of a reputation. And, and I am going to ask you about that whole issue of other countries, too. I, I can't remember which article it was that I read, but I read one about one of the Swedish players who's in this country who said the minute he got here, he realized that mini golf had a different reputation than it does in Sweden. Uh, I'm guessing it must be the same thing in the Czech Republic to have somebody uh, like Olivia take it so seriously. Um, so, so is that the case? If you go elsewhere in the world, is mini golf not something that's most for kids? Um, no. Uh, you know, I'm a member of the WMF World Mini Golf Sport Federation, and there's eight men from around the world, and I happen to re- represent this part of the world. And their mini golf over there is more like billiards, and uh, they have different. It's not. I don't even call it golf. It's. Uh, they have little rubber balls. Some bounce. Some are dead. We take Team USA over there whenever we can find enough players with the money to pay their trip. Um, other countries have their government supported and pay for all this stuff, but the U.S. does not do that. So it's real hard at this point to take Team USA to Europe. Um, we're looking for a title sponsor, and we're real close. I mean, we're a wholesome family activity that the whole family can participate in. And a company like Coke or Burger King or Pepsi or McDonald's, any any company like that that would like to have a wholesome family activity representing them, we're perfect. So that would help us, you know, a corporate sponsor would help pay for stuff like that and help us bring the prize money up so that we'd get a little more rec- recognition. Uh, all that stuff just um, helps promote Mini golf, and and we're the PGA of mini golf. Yes, you are mini golf. We yeah. have tournaments. The PGA has tournaments to promote golf. We have tournaments to promote mini golf, and a lot of the course owners 
they just don't understand what we're doing and and what we're doing is promoting their business so um we need to get that out to them so they can try to help us you know if if all the courses would help us a little bit we could do a lot more for them when you're the PGA of mini golf, and obviously um, you're right, the PG, the professional golf um, tournaments they do help support the game of golf, but they also exist so that people can win rather large amounts of money. Uh, now I'm guessing the purse, you know, the prize money in, in a mini golf tournament is a little bit less than that. So you've got uh, your big tournament coming up, right, on October 16th, 17th, and 18th at the Hawaiian Rumble Mini Golf Course, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, that's uh, the big tournament. What's what's that's, the prize? That's, that's the Masters. That's the Masters. The green, green jacket and everything Augusta has, only we do it better. Yeah. You know, 80, 75% of golf is putting, and that's what we do. And, but instead the, of a green jacket. It's just a waste of your time. Yeah. You know, it's the most <laughs> exciting part. Good point. Uh, instead yeah. of a green jacket, you give a green windbreaker, which is better because obviously you can only well, wear, you a can green... wear it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You, you can't wear that stupid jacket they give you over in Augusta. What are you going to do with that? Now you're talking. So, yeah. so what's the prize money like uh, down there at oh. uh, Myrtle Beach? Well, we have $12,000 cash purse, and that's what I'm saying. We need to get the money up to about twenty five grand. And then we'll get a lot more uh, publicity, a lot more people wanting to play. Um, we'll even probably get Tiger Woods in here because he's got to have money for that jet. True. Well, um, you know, for his boat and his jet, he's got to have money. Let me let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask Pat uh, Sheridan the same question too, but I'll start with you, Bob Detweiler. Let's let's. Take somebody, pick somebody, whether it's uh, Tiger Woods or Bubba Watson or Rory McElroy or whoever. Um, and let's say that somehow or other they enrolled in that tournament. Um, would they beat Matt McCaslin, who's you know arguably one of the Tiger Woodses of mini golf? Would, would they beat uh, Olivia uh, Prokopova? Or I mean, are they good enough so that they they would sort of dominate a competitive mini golfer? Or would your guys clean their clocks? Well, uh, uh, right now we, they wouldn't have a chance, but if they put in the time and the effort that our players do, yeah, they could become good. That's a, the whole idea of mini golf. It opens up the door for all these people that are sitting on the couch doing nothing. They can come out and participate and say, I play a professional sport. You know, the the, the big um, athletic things like football and baseball and basketball and some of those, you have to be – you know, big muscle-bound guy. Uh, this, you don't have to be a big, strong guy, but you do have to participate and practice, and have the dedication to become good. And uh, these guys, uh, a lot of them will come two, three weeks before the tournament and and study every hole, um, the breaks. You know, it's not a clown mouth or any of that stupid stuff. It's uh, undulations and rocks and sand traps and water and that type of thing, just like you would find on a PGA-style course. And right. our carpet is the best. At the, at the Hawaiian Rumble here in North Motor Beach, South Carolina, it's the Rolls-Royce of carpet. Uh, in fact, Ernie Els has some in his – he has a, a putting green in his uh, backyard, and he uses the same carpet for that putting green. You can backfill it with sand and, and take a stamp meter and set the speed. 
All right, so I'm going to ask Pat Sheridan the same question. By the way, uh, despite what you say about physique, Bob, uh, Pat Sheridan has been gulping nutritional supplements since he got here, rubbing Andro on his arms <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. So he, he is uh, pretty ripped at this point. But um, So, Pat Sheridan, Sheridan, I assume you would agree with Bob Detweiler that the skills specific for mini golf are not the skills that Ernie Els has, that are not the skills that, uh, that Bubba Watson has. If they tried to play against you guys right now, they wouldn't do very well. I would agree. If if they showed up on a course, um, especially a course we play the tournaments on right now and tried to compete against some of our best players, and I would even say I would have a pretty decent shot against them straight off the street in terms of these tournaments. But Bob's right. I mean, these guys are professionals and give them the same amount of time that our folks take to prepare for these tournaments. And we'd uh, I wouldn't say that they would beat us, but I think we'd all be on a level plane at that point. And personally, I'd like to see uh, Mr. Mickelson get out there since I my day job does involve the company that is splattered across his hat. All right. Uh, but then we have to deal with those press conferences where he explain, has to explain why he came in second and he's so anguished and stuff. And it's just uh, – let's talk to uh, Ted Detweiler as well. He's working on a documentary, documentary about competitive mini golf. He's his father's assistant at the U.S. Pro Mini Golf Association. Um, Ted, one thing – that we're all kind of alluding to, one of the things that we're all kind of treading on right here is the issue of stars, right? Any sport needs magic versus bird. You know, every sport needs Yankees versus Red Sox. Um, Does mini golf have that right now? Does mini golf have the kinds of players who can become celebrities and and create a new focus on the game? Absolutely, it does. Um, That's that's one thing that happened with me uh, as my journey going through this, this documentary, um, you know, initially I thought it was sort of a, a best in show type of, of film. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm familiar with that. With that. <laughs> the, yes, I the am. dog competition, everybody going to New York. Yes. And, um, and as I got into it, you know, um, cause I live out in California and my dad had started this tournament. This was, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And I was like, I saw how, amazing these people are at what they do and it's incredible what they put their mind to um i guess just like anything in life but um going back to the stars so you know initially there was these the the mccaslins and they were sort of dominating the the sport for a little while there and then the swedes came in and were were big rivals to them and you're you're um, talking about players like hans olofsson and people like that right? yeah hans and and jasper anderson and and uh, quite a few other, Richard Lochner. And, um, you know, the, the sport in, in Sweden, which, you know, and, and some of the other European countries, which we have alluded to, it's, it's a very different thing. They take it very serious. It's more respected in a sense. And, um, and, and they were dominating. It was clearly going back and forth there for a little while. There, there's also a documentary called King of Kong about these um, uh, guys who are really good at Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. And they compete to see who can get the highest score. And, and at the time I thought I had that sort of type of rivalry for the documentary. And so I focused in on the, the brothers and the Swedes. And then, you know, I, I was also following Olivia, but at the time she was very young and the highest she was placing was probably in the top 20 or so. And then as she got a little older, she started getting better results. And, you know, now she's the dominant one. And without a doubt, she's the, the Tiger Woods right now, um, even though she did lose by a hair at the U.S. Open. But, I mean, hey, Tiger wasn't winning them all either in his, right. his prime. She, she lost so, to Matt, Matt McCaslin, right? 
Yeah. So, it, yeah, it was a big win for him because he hadn't won, I think, since 2008. So for him to come back, that was also it was a big thing for him because I know mentally he had to fight, fight a lot to, to get it back to, to, to win. And so um, your dad, I think, mentioned China. I'm, I always sort of assume that anytime we're talking about anything like this, that there's things going on in China on a fairly huge scale. I don't know whether either one of you can, can talk about uh, how the game looks in, in China right now. Yeah, Bob can go with that. Well, it's uh, it's brand new over there. They don't, um, you know, they they have maybe two courses: one in uh, Kuming, and one in uh, outside of Beijing. We've helped build both of those. Um, we've been over there many times. In fact, we had the first China Open in Kuming, and that's uh, right at the the uh, Asian Olympic Training Center, high altitude. Although it's a, about the altitude of Denver, but it's very tropical. They have palm trees, and it's very, very nice weather almost all year round there. Uh, and, and when we did that, I was there to help run the tournament. <laughs> and they, obviously, they don't speak English, and I don't speak Chinese. And we had about a hundred people out there trying to show them how to run, play this tournament. And it was like berserk, people going everywhere, <laughs> nobody understanding anyone. But, and, but uh, mini golf is the universal language. Ted, I understand uh, you had a special musical duty over in China. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm 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 actually classically trained to sing opera. So my dad will throw me out for uh, to sing the national anthem every once in a while. So I, I he actually I, I sang the national anthem in Kunming, China, and. There's a, a French guy that ran a hotel there, and he goes, I, I think that is probably the first time the national anthem's ever been sung in Kunming or probably this part of China. <laughs> and and <laughs> certainly uh, for a mini-golf tournament, absolutely the first time. Yeah. All right, we've we got to grab a break here. I want to come back and really sort of talk about what does it take to be good. We've got a guy who designs and builds courses. He may have some ideas about this, too. We've got uh, guys who pre- play on the pro circuit. We want to hear from you, too, 860-275-7266, and we'll be back after this. love most about mini golf? I love mini golf because it reminds me so much of being a kid and going to the beach with my family and just having a really fun time. But it was a great way to kind of participate in the sport and just have a blast, you know, and always get like ice cream or something fun afterward. It's an opportunity to laugh. It's not a sport, it's a competition and you're trying to beat the other people. Should we call it a sport? Absolutely. Why do you think we should? Have you ever played with my son? He's very competitive. How do you feel about competitive mini-golf? I find it more frustrating when you can't make it and there's nothing physically in the way. All right. That was Katie Pikus, part of our Fab Five class of interns 
Uh, most of them are going back to college. We got, I'm still hanging on to a couple of them right right now. We'll be re- we're in a rebuilding mode right now. We'll be uh, rebuilding our intern team. All right, with me in the studio, Pat Sheridan. He's an accountant and auditor by day. In his off time, he's a competitive mini golfer, also a co-founder uh, of a site, The Putting Penguin, which rates and reviews mini golf courses. Uh, also in studio, Steve Lamesa. He builds mini golf courses. He's president of MGC Developers in East Hartford. On the phone with me, Bob Detweiler. He's the president of the United States Pro Mini Golf Association. And in just a second, you're going to meet uh, Nate Edelman. He's the owner of the Odetta Camping Resort, and he helped build the Knowles and Holes a golf course used in the Odetta Fall Classic Mini Golf Tournament. I think that's down in Basra. Coincidentally, Knowles and Holes was the name of my secret society at Yale. So um, we're going to, Steve LaMesa, I'm going to start with you because you build these damn courses. So I'm going to be asking the, one of the pros, Pat Sheridan over here, and Bob Detweiler as well, how you get good at mini golf. But I want to start with your perspective because you build the course. So maybe you have some ideas, and maybe you see people play the course, and you think, well, you know, that's really not what I would do. I mean, how, how can somebody play a course, a mini golf course, better? Better than they typically would. Uh, practice. Yeah, you got to practice putting. You got to <clears throat> visualize the ball. Um, get but, an idea. But it's, are there secrets built into the breaks on the course and stuff like that? Things that you you know you're aware of, and you watch people tee off, and you go, "Oh no, that's not going to work." A lot of people think there's there's things built in, but there's really not. When when we design and build courses, we we want to just make them fun. Yeah, I don't. Uh, build them for really competition. I build them so people and kids can enjoy uh, their experience. You want to make them fun? Don't build those humpy things anymore. Those are not <laughs> fun. Um, all right. So, um, so Pat Sheridan, I, I think you alluded to this, and I keep seeing this reading about the sport too, that thinking this thing out and practicing an incredible amount on a particular course, getting to know the breaks on a course, studying a course, that seems to be one of the things that really separates the average duffer from the competitive mini golfer. Absolutely. So, you know, Steve talked about they may not build the actual breaks and stuff to it. The, The professional miniature golfers will find how the course breaks. And so we'll figure out how is, what is the right line or multiple lines because um, we're, we're always just shooting for that ace on every single putt. And so that's that's the very key part of it. And kind of the repetition and just going out there and going out there as a group and, and trying new shots and finding if I hit this particular brick that's angled in this way, is the ball going to go where I need to at this speed? And and once you figure that out from there, it's it's practice and repetition and, and being able to to hit that the same way every single time. And I actually think Almost miniature golf is a little less like golf and almost more like bowling in that respect. You know, once you find that line, you hit that arrow with the ball and you hit the pocket with the ball, that's what we're trying to do with the competitive miniature golf is hit that brick at that speed to get it to go into the hole. Yeah, Steve, what were you going to say? Yeah, and I just wanted to elaborate on that. When when we do when I do design holes, I, I want it to be possible to get a hole in one. Mm-hmm. So there's always a way somehow to get a hole in one. And yeah, and Pat, you know, when when I think about mini golf, I, and when I think about it being played at a level where you're competing for a purse, I'm assuming I don't know, like eight, our 18s. I don't even know how how many time, how many rounds you play or how the scores come out. But is an is an 18 on an 18 hole course? Does that does that happen with some frequency? Uh, not on the the style courses that we play. The the Putt Putt Corporation actually has courses that are more designed like that. And Bob alluded to the courses in Europe that are actually more designed like that. 
Um, for us, we're always shooting uh, our, our par on all of our courses are, is pretty much two. So that's what we're always looking for with aces. So this last U.S. Open where Matt won, you know, he set the course record of 32. And the range, the range of scores of the best players were generally between 32 and 37 uh, over 10 rounds for two days. And so that gives you a kind of an extent of what they're trying to shoot at every single time that they're out there. Um, Bob Detweiler, um, if, in fact, Olivia Prokopova is the best right now, and I'm not saying she is, I'm not saying she isn't, whoever's the best or whoever the three best competitive golfers are right now on the mini golf tour, what makes them so good? Why are they so good? Well, it's uh, practice. Um, they have to, uh, like Olivia will come three to four weeks before the Masters coming up here in October. And she will, and she, and she knows these courses already. But she'll come and um, determine the break. And the the biggest problem is they never want to get a three. If they if they get a three, that they want to take a rusty knife and cut their throat. Um, a two is okay, but they but they have to they study the hole and make diagrams, just like a, a PGA player does or his caddy does uh, playing a PGA tournament. They they know what the break will be for the second shot, determined, depending on where the ball ends up. If it doesn't go in the hole, where it ends up around the hole. So mm-hmm. uh, they cannot get a three because if they get a three, they're going the wrong direction. Uh, a two they can live with, but that's it. And and they do that by spending hours out there practicing and, and knowing where the break is. Uh, and the breaks are real hard to read because uh, the course looks flat, but it's really not. It, there's uh, undulations in there, and and so Pat Sheridan, that that feels like a pretty narrow margin between success and victory. In other words, if you and Olivia play eighteen holes, and you know you get a few more twos, and she gets a few more ones, that's it, right? I mean, it's really down to that that the difference that Bob is alluding to. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. I mean, if you you look at Matt and Olivia, so. I finished 12th in the U.S. Open, and I kept my average right around 38 um, for over 10 holes, and, and they beat me by about 30 or 40 strokes. And so you look, that's that's only about 10 places, and that's how much it is. It's a, a couple strokes around over 10 rounds really adds up. And, and Bob's right. Well, well, I'm not taking a rusty knife to my throat when I get a three. Uh, <laughs> um, certainly there there's a little bit more profanity than you'd probably want on a family miniature golf course when a three comes up. <laughs> Fortunately, a lot of the people are swearing in other languages. Um, well, they'll, they'll blame uh, everyone but themselves. <laughs> Not all of them, but a few of these guys, they'll say, well, the, this is a terrible course. The greens are terrible. You know, um, it's every, anything that they can blame except themselves. And, you know, and if it rains, the, the carpet, the, the speed of the ball changes, just like on uh, natural turf. So they have a lot to to contend with. That's time why they will practice in the rain lots of times. Well, at least there's the uh, lights. None of this Rory McElroy complaining about how dark it's getting uh, on the course. All right, let's. Uh, we got all kinds of things we want to cover. First of all, I, I got uh, good news for Steve LaMesa. Uh, Connecticut Magazine is tweeting at me. Our brand new Best of Connecticut 2014 says the top mini golf in the state is Saybrook Point Miniature Golf. Is that you? That's you, you right? Yeah, that's all me. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, another laurel for Steve. Uh, let's go to Paul on Long Island. Our number is 860-275-7266. We've got a lot of golf to cover here. Hi, Paul. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Good. 
good. I'm uh, calling from the Children's Museum of the East End here in uh, Bridgehampton on Long Island. And we just actually opened a miniature golf course uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I'd say most of our users aren't exactly at the competitive level yet, but uh, it's it's a nice start. And when you're talking about families, it's a it's a fantastic uh, opportunity for them to kind of get out and enjoy themselves. And yours, do I, I have it correct that yours is kind of science-themed? Actually, uh, each hole uh, attempts to teach a different concept in physics or, or a different concept in physics or math. So you get to the first hole, and it talks all about angles. Mm. And you get to the hole marker, and it asks you a bunch of questions. And then when you actually look at the scorecard, it has the answer to those questions. So it's, 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 it improves you in multiple ways. That's a really great idea. Well, uh, my advice to you is if you see uh, somebody out there on the course in a penguin suit, I would uh, comp him, you know, a free soda or something. It might be Pat Sheridan uh, reviewing the course. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if they, he declares himself before he, he shows up there. Thanks for that call, though. Um, our number, 860-275-7266. Well, let's talk to I was very I started looking at some of the other courses that have been rated among the best in the country and one that showed up uh, on some lists. I've mentioned it before. It's the Odetta Camping Resort uh Knowles and Holes Golf Course, which is used in the Odetta Fall Classic Mini Golf Tournament. Nate Edelman uh, is joining us. Uh, he's the owner of that. And do I have it right, Nate, that you're in Basra, birthplace of Sam Gagenson? That is correct. Basra, Connecticut. There's oh. only one. And uh, and so tell us about the, first of all, tell us about the Odetta Fall Classic. Has it? Ha- no, it's coming up in September, right? Um, actually, I don't believe we have it uh, this year. Oh, no. Um, in fact, um, I, I think you have a couple of guys there with you. I don't know if they're in studio or on the phone that could probably tell you more about it. All right. But um, in terms of the course itself, tell us, uh, th- uh, looking at pictures, it seems uh, not so much uh, dragons and dinosaurs and no, clown heads no. and stuff in like fact, that. In fact, we replaced a course um, that was uh, circa 1978, very classic. We had a windmill. We had hippos. Um, mm. And um, at that point in time, we only had about 10 holes. Um, this was in 2001. Um, and I, um, at that point in time, I had a cousin that was involved with competitive mini golf, Gary Schiff. Um, and, uh, we had discussed, uh, making a course, a competitive course. And, um, it was a, a joy putting it together and, um, and then watching the pros uh, play on it and get to play with them as well. Uh, Pat Sheridan, you have, uh, played at, at Odetta and maybe even hosted there? Yeah, so I've played uh, quite a few times when Gary and um, the past two years, we actually were the ones who were running the Odeo to Fall Classic. So it's kind of our fault why we're not running it this year. But we're looking to take a, a year off hiatus and, and bring it back stronger next year because it's been going um, for 12 years now. So um, I, I love it. It's it's a very challenging course. Uh, Nate, you could probably tell us the right date, but a couple of years ago, you guys kind of changed some of the carpets and, and put in some of the the more rough and sand trap areas in different places and, and really actually changed how the course played for those of us who did the tournament. And, and that's a course where, you know, we talked earlier, you know, maybe mid to low 30s is acceptable. That's the type of course where you're actually shooting high 30s. Uh, I mean, in some of the best players of the world who have played on there, um, there's a little more threes on that course that we get to, to swear about than other courses. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely correct, Pat. Uh, we do have two three par uh, holes on that course. The total par is 38. Um, I, I do believe uh, one of the McCaslins does have the record. I think that was about a 32 um, as well, 32 or 33 maybe. Um, but um, it's an adventure-style course. Um, it, it plays very much like the larger game, uh, just in miniature format. Um, and a lot of the design was incorporating a lot of our natural resource here in Connecticut, which is, of course, rocks. Yeah, or in the case of Basra, cows. That's correct. Yeah, the uh, other one. The um, 
Does it have one of those humpy things? No, no, no humpy. There's just a lot of co- coarse contours. Um, uh, you know, a few rocks. Uh, there is a river and waterfall running throughout. Um, and we designed it making sure that each hole gave you something to think about. That was, that was really how we went into the operation. So. You know, um, Bob Detweiler, one of the things I was going to ask you is, um, uh, this sounds like a great course. We're thinking about um, a, a road trip for our show staff down there to the Odetta Camping Resort. But it is a camping resort, and as I was looking at courses around the country, it's, uh, and I'm sure the putting penguin could say even more about this, Bob, but, you know, it's uh, even the one that he likes in Virginia. It's like, it's part of like a bigger kind of golf complex. I mean, um, mini, mini golf is always kind of Im- seems frequently to be embedded in some other kind of operation. You know, you don't feel like going to the driving range today. Go play mini golf. Um, is that a problem for you? Do you want the mini golf courses to be freestanding entities that uh, aren't, aren't part of some larger complex? No, I think uh, the the problem today is uh, the cost of the land to build a miniature golf course is so high that it's hard to meet the debt service. So. Uh, it's they need to add other um, amusement things to their facility, like maybe a batting cage or bumper boats or a driving range or whatever, whatever they have room for, and um, that helps to uh, you know meet the debt service because um, it's so expensive. All right, we're going to grab a, a quick break here. We've got just a little bit of time left here. Uh, we're exploring the world of, world of mini golf. Feel free to call us, 860-275-7266. Are you ready to join the tour? You think you're that good? 860-275-7266. I like golf. Ooh, I like golf. It's the game for me. I like golf. One thing I forgot about the Abu Dhabi golf course is that the stormtroopers shoot at you while you're trying to putt. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me. Our intern is Britt Hill. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by Bill Murray. For show pages, articles, and videos of the Faith Middleton Show staff bogeying the kale salad hole at Alice Waters Mini Golf in Berkeley, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, the people who worry about the effect of obesity on sex and the people who don't. And now, back to Colin. You think mini golf was a challenging show. Wait till tomorrow. Uh, so, uh, well, actually, that's the kind of thing Steve LeMaso likes. He likes the idea of Star Wars stormtroopers shooting uh, their, their blasters at you while you're putting. That's, that's interactive, right? It makes it more exciting. That is interactive. Yeah, that's the wave of the future. Um, all right, we're talking about mini golf. Well, we'd love to hear from you. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. And let's see. Well, we have a call here from... Uh, Peggy in Guilford. Hi, Peggy. Oh, hi, Colin. I can't believe I'm on the show. <laughs> um, my question, um, I went on the website yeah. for the putting green in um, Old Saybrook. Yeah. Uh, and the last review was 2008. Yeah, so that's... That's not we. I think re, re, kind of review, yeah. Right, so in fact... Uh, uh, I think Pat has indicated that the new review is ready to drop. You, you'll you'll 
as they say. Um, you'll be reading the, the new review of Old Saybrook in the very near future. Um, so our, our number, 860-2757-266. Now, there's a controversy going on in the world of mini-golf, uh, and we love controversy here in journalism. Uh, I don't necessarily understand it, but, Pat, it's got something to do with the cup itself, right? I don't entirely understand this, but uh, there's something to do with the actual cup that you're trying to hit the ball in that's, that's controversial somewhat. Two different kinds of cups here? Well, for us, the, we, we always see two different types of cups on courses. And one, you would think you're more standard plastic golf hole type cup where it just settles in, ball rolls in nicely. And then we see on a lot of different courses these metal cups that have a little metal lip all the way around them. And even for us professional golfers, your ball hits that little metal lip. There is no give. It goes sliding on by. And, um, and in terms of pet peeves for us, that that is one of our largest that we see on the courses because it's you know, not, not only when we're doing it very competitively, but like Steve and Bob have talked about, this is a very family-friendly game. And you want people to feel like they're doing a great job on the course. So make it as easy as possible for the ball to go in for these guys. Don't use those stupid metal cups. Yeah, uh, Bob Detweiler, I'm assuming that you're opposed to the metal uh, cups as well. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like Pat says. If, you, um, get, if you're not right dead center, it will spin the ball out. Um, real easily, and uh, and you know that's not giving the guy a real chance. It's uh, it's not a good thing. You know, I want to talk about another possible pet peeve, and maybe, uh, Pat, it doesn't matter at all to you. I, I don't know. But one difference between what you do and what uh, competitive golfers in the PGA do is, uh, and I understand that this is eroded a little bit uh, along with all the other manners of civilization, but you know, there's this sort of idea that it's quiet when somebody's putting, right? I mean, somebody's putting for a, a, a big uh, a big game. Uh, it's sort of quiet there. I'm assuming in mini golf it's not. I mean, first of all, you know, you're playing in Farmington. You're right up against Route 4. There's trucks going by there's this there's that there's you know people over at the ice cream stand yelling and people up on the driving range i mean i would assume it takes a different kind of concentration to do the kinds of putting that you have to do in competitive mini golf absolutely and while you're in a tournament you know you're trying to be courteous to your fellow players and not be loud and, and talk right on top of them you are dealing with a whole lot of different distractions than you would on our you know the tpc over in cromwell so even when we played this U.S. Open, and we were right outside a horse track, and so when the horses started running, you had the race <laughs> announcer going in the background. So, you know, in some respects, yeah, I think we could. For me, it's almost weird to make a putt when it's quiet because you, you crave those distractions. So maybe another reason why we do better than the PGA guys when they came out, they wouldn't know to do it, what, what to do with all that stuff in the background. The uh, you should well I, I was assuming in Odetta that's not a problem right I mean Basra's really quiet yeah except yeah. it's right on Route Two all the people going to the casino yeah uh, all right I, I so. think it's way too quiet you know we need to be like a basketball game or a football game you go to a PGA tournament it's like you're going to a funeral what the hell's up with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I would agree with Bob. I mean, that's I, I love it. I mean, you, you want to be excited about what you could do. I mean, you're hitting all the ball into the hole, and while it's challenging, you know, let people get excited about it. Uh, we're talking about uh, competitive mini golf. Well, Pat, uh, you, you got a minute or two left. Are there any other pet peeves or challenges for the competitive uh, mini golfer that the average person wouldn't know about? Uh, I, I don't think there's there's any pet peeves for for the for us. I mean, the, the challenge really is just. You know, especially for somebody like me who does multiple 
um, sides of it. We, we see the the family part and the obstacles and the real fun part, and then at the same time, we're trying to take these tournaments seriously. But just for people to realize that, yes, we're out there, we're playing these tournaments, and, and that they they can come out and, and don't be afraid to come and play these tournaments because, like Bob mentioned, you know, any of us, despite our, our Adonis physiques, can be pro miniature golfers. Well, there's one thing I have, and that's um, they have it in the PGA as well, and that's a player taking too much time. And we had that last uh, at the uh, U.S. Open, and uh, and we do we have it every time. And the PGA, I think, at 40 seconds is what they give them between shots, and once they uh, you know it's their turn. And we, I had to warn the guys uh, at the U.S. Open they were taking too much time. And I have to do that practically every tournament. Um, and that really irritates them when I do that. But, you know, the rules are the rules. And uh, we're not going to stay out there all night just because you, you want to stand and look at your putt forever. Uh, you know, there's a limit to everything. And we want them to do well. And, you know, that's the whole idea. But let's be uh, realistic. And, you know, there is a time limit. They don't have those gloves with the Velcro straps that they have to fiddle with and stuff like that, like baseball players do, do they? Because that no. that really slows people down. This is a problem with all sports, though. They're just you know everything's sort of slowing down. Baseball games are now three and a half hours long. All right, so um, a little message also from uh, Nate uh, down there in Odetta. All of October, the river turns to blood, and his course is uh, Halloween themed all month of October. Very interactive. Everything becomes glow in the dark, uh, and so so that's a that's a pretty good example too of how you can kind of hybridize. You, his course is pretty much straight up most of the time, Steve, but then. You you can do special themed stuff where you, you know, you make things go crazy for Halloween. Oh, Halloween, any any occasion, you can dress up your course. Sure. All right. So uh, I want to thank everybody who helped out with today's show, especially Betsy Kaplan who put this together, and uh, all of you listening who probably had no idea there was any such thing as a competitive mini golf tour. Now you'll be uh, you'll be choosing sides. You'll have your favorites. You'll be Olivia Olivia Prokopova fans, or Matt McCaslin, or ideally fans of Pat Sheridan. Also check out his website, The Putting Penguin, so you'll know where in Connecticut you're going to go uh, play mini golf. Uh, we want to thank uh, also Betsy Kaplan, as I say, for pulling this show together. Tomorrow we're going to be back on the air. We're going to be doing a show. <laughs> I can't believe the shows we do. This is a show about – there's a book out right now that sort of says that because of uh, Kinetic, uh, of America's rising obesity epidemic, because people don't get out and play mini golf, they sit there looking at their video games, uh, it's actually affecting people's sex lives. And we also have some people who are into fat acceptance, and they don't think that's the case. And there's more of them to love, et cetera. So brace yourselves for that one. I suck at mini golf. Why? What's wrong? What'd you do? Well, this whole game I only got 18 points, and I keep losing my balls in the hole.